Morning, team. Tea and toast. Oh, no, not tea and toast this morning. No. What are you having? Porridge. Oh, right. Have you tried those Marks and Spencer's porridges? Oh, is it? Oh, right. You can have... I've got about uh, 16 in the cupboard if you want to try one, yeah. It's a big bag of cheap stuff, me. A big bag of cheese. See, I can't do the bit. Does it dissolve quickly, though? Do you have to boil it and... Yeah, boil it, yeah. Oh, so I don't know. This one. I just come in in the morning, I peel peel the lid off, yeah. put it under the hot water machine, push the hot water and then stir it and then eat really? it. Really? Yeah. So I like mine with milk. Oh, God. Yeah, but you try this. It's nice. Go and try one. Really? It's in my cupboard. Where is your cupboard? Can't miss it. It's the... If you, if you come in the newsroom... Excuse me, ladies and gentlemen. Yeah. I do beg your pardon. Come in the newsroom. Yes. Right behind Richard Hake here. Yes. Ask him. And in there, just open it. You see all sorts of goodies. Leave those alone. And just pick up a tin of porridge. OK. I'll try one I'll try this morning. It. I'll yeah. let you know tomorrow. And you just f- make sure you fill it up to the line. Don't fill it up to the top. Okay. Fill water. it about... Water. Not milk. Just water. OK. And stir it. Make sure you stir it properly. It's a bit like a pot noodle. OK. You'll love it. Yeah. Thank you. <laughs> just leave, leave the pound in there. Okay. Anyway, nice to see you. I'm, convert- I'm converting everybody to porridge. It's not doing me much good, actually. I feel ill by the day. Uh, Lawrence says, um, uh, I'll be in London this weekend. Can you suggest a good Iranian or Lebanese restaurant? No idea. I've never eaten Lebanon. Or, although there's a very good one. There's um, one called Falkradin, which is Lebanese, which is up by uh, the Ritz. That's the only Lebanese one I know. I don't know any Iranian restaurants. Can't think of anything off the top of my head. Somebody, no doubt, will help us this morning. Trust you're all well. Trust you're good. Bright-eyed and bushy-tailed. And isn't it fantastic? Isn't it good? Because now it's Tuesday and it's a short week. And that's great because it means that you've got Tuesday, Wednesday, voting day and Friday. And so I'm here today, tomorrow, voting day, but not Friday. Because LBC, uh, Nick will be out on his battle bus and they'll be having all this. And you'll be going, I'll be so glad when this election is over. Like the rest, even the, even the columnists are saying, they'll be glad when it's over. Because every time I turn on the television, I listen to more hot air and waffle from politicians. Every time they turn, I think, well, look, I, I really don't believe a word you're saying. I said the other day that around our way, one of the candidates has said, if you vote for me, I'll get you 30 minutes free parking. <laughs> Big deal. Big deal. I'd be more interested if you said, I'll pay for your shopping for a month. That would actually get me to vote for somebody. Uh, the other good news is that uh, Noreen enjoyed the chat with Andy. It's Andy Hayes, the newsman. He came in, he's, he loves coming on. If he's ever in doing the news on a Sunday, he loves coming into the studio so we can have a little chat about the news. Uh, she says, those were the days when you tried and failed to phase John Cushing. Yeah, but come on, Noreen, I made him go each way on a number of occasions. So that was good. Book to see the Solid Gold 60s in November. Jerry and the Pacemakers, the Searchers, PJ Proby. All right. Chip Hawks, ex-Tremolos, dad of Chesney. And uh, off out with Josh today. Reception in Luton, just after 7am. Oh, crikey. This, you know the volcano's gone up again. Is everybody aware of the volcano's up again? So if you're thinking of flying to Ireland today, forget it. Uh, Scotland as well? Oh, right. I thought they would, it was just, yeah, we'll we get some copy up on that. Get some copy up on that, whatever that means. Uh, and we'll, we'll let you know, OK? Because uh, just in case you're thinking of, uh, of flying, you're not. And Nick Clegg is going to be with Nick Ferrari this morning, so if you've got a question, you better do that a little bit later on. Uh, another one here, uh, and this says, uh, regular listener to your show, I like you and John Warrington, now I love uh, the Darren computer spot, but I think you could improve. There could be a suggested website spot for downloading film music. Oh, music from films. Oh, right. But actually, all of that sort of stuff, you can get all over the place, film music, aren't you? I like film music as well. In fact, I've got numerous um, CDs and DVDs with film music on, and I do like it. I, I sort of... I'll, I'll hear a bit of music, and I think, I've got to go and buy the DVD or the CD of that. 
and then immediately I, I start uh, I start playing it. Uh, one here says, Steve, I'm aching. I put up a new shed yesterday. I'm going to put a washing machine and a tumble dryer in there and use it as an, a utility room. I'd love a utility room. We used to have one when we lived in Yorkshire. We had a, a utility room which was off the kitchen. And I can't remember anything about it apart from it was stone and it had a huge wooden table in one corner. But we plumbed in the washing machine and we didn't have a... We had a mangle. Hands up who remembers mangles? where you actually, it was a huge big thing, and you put the washing in and turned the handle, and it squeezed the water out, and then it was all ready for... for, for dry. It makes it sound years ago, doesn't it? It probably was, actually. Uh, ash from the volcano in Iceland. More problems. So Ireland have closed um, all of their airspace until at least early afternoon. Transatlantic flights from the UK aren't affected because the plane's being allowed to fly above the ash cloud. Why can't everybody else fly above the ash cloud, then? Makes perfect sense. Airspace restrictions also in place in parts of northern Scotland. OK. So now you know. Now you know. Oh, it's interesting to hear the other day. I thought it was very interesting. Peter Andre uh, let slip in one of his more tedious interviews, because most of the interviews that Peter Andre gives are fairly tedious. You know, I'm not interested in his children. I'm not interested in his NAF recording career. I'm just not interested full stop. But I have to mention him because he makes the news. But this, and I always like to correct things. And he said that he was taking over presenting on the um, the Channel Five dreadful show, which had Ian Wright on it. That live from live at five, or as we call it, dead on the telly. Absolutely dreadful. Ian Wright and two lame birds. I mean, really. You know, it was bad enough with Melinda <laughs> Messenger, who's a right irritating little so-and-so. And now you've got somebody else who's on The Apprentice, and most people on there are pretty irritating. And, and somebody else who I think could be Matt Willis's wife. Matt Willis trying to resurrect a career that died in the water ages ago. He went on, I'm a celebrity, get me out of here. Normally it resurrects your career. Sadly, killed his even more dead than it was before. So him and the little boy, James from Busted, are trying to do a reality show to get the best-looking one, Charlie, back in Busted. And Charlie said to them, not interested, pals. I left you. I've got Fight Star or Foo Fighters or whatever they're called. And he's not interested. So they're going to do this reality show anyway in a desperate attempt to shore up a career that finished a long while ago. But anyway, so Peter Andre says he's, he's going to be taking over live at five. Uh, well, he's not. He's doing it for a week. Channel 4 or Channel 5 have got lots of people doing it for a week. Lots of sort of people with lots of famous people on there. But it's such a bad show. That, and Peter Andre's interviewing technique. The, the problem is, it's not that he's dim or stupid or not any good. It's the fact that he's used to being the other side. He's the one who is interviewed because he was a minor celebrity. So when you then turn over and you become the other person, it doesn't work. Because he doesn't know what to say to people. Because he's so interested in talking about himself. A bit like this programme, actually. But there we go, it, it works very well for me and everybody else. So, so there he is. He's, he's going to be presenting it for a week while they bring in another load of people. And the other one who's hawking themselves around again is Richard Maidley. He's talking to anybody who will listen that he's available for shows. In fact, he would very much like to do Strictly Come Dancing. Uh, he doesn't want to do any other reality shows because he would like to have a say in how it goes because he's a bit... Let's just call him a bit power crazy, OK? He's a bit hands-on. So if you start telling him what to do, he, he won't have anything to do with it, OK? He, do, he does what he wants to do, because he's been around too long. And so that's the problem with Richard. But he's, he's, he's let it slip that he'd be more than happy to do Strictly Come Dancing. So far, the BBC have said nothing, <laughs> because it's starting to look a bit desperate. For anybody that will listen, Richard Madeley is gone. Um, yeah, I'd, I'd, I'd like to do that. Uh, Judy, of course, who doesn't drink... 
we're very keen to point out, uh, doesn't want to do anything like that. She's, she's semi-retired from the business. They've got loads of money. He's also told everybody who'll listen in any of his interviews that they've got all this money because they've, uh, they've earned good money over the years, and they're quite uh, me- frugal. Uh, they're, 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 they're quite fr- They don't spend it on anything. What do they spend it on? You know, you hardly see Judy going out, staggering out of cricket or any other shops, laden down with bags and gorgeous, slim, gorgeous outfits to wear. You're more likely to see her as sort of, you know, millets or something like that, staggering out with a tent on her back while the whole family go off camping in the Cairngorms. But um, I think it'll be interesting. I'm not sure if they want Richard Madeley back on television. He doesn't exactly have an abundance of work at the moment, and I don't know whether or not he could come back. The problem being, and it's, it's not that they weren't any good, in their day they were a very formidable team, they were very popular, but it's been, it's been overtaken now. It's been overtaken by Holly Willoughby, uh, who's so fake. Do you not... Ever, I cannot... You know, I'm sure she's lovely. I'm sure she... But I find her as irritating now as Fern Grotten. And Fern apparently was bullied at school. Yeah, yeah, well, you know, everybody was, darling. Every single person was bullied at school. Too fat, too tall, too thin, too this, too that. Um, and so Holly, Holly Willoughby, who tries to look interested on this morning, but looks as though she's about to nod off because she's got so much eye makeup on and the hair, and she can't hide everything and talk at the same time. So she's got a little bit of paper when she asks a question. Why they've got to write them... I don't think I've ever done an interview with anybody yet for an hour where I've written anything down. I, 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 might have, I might have made a note or something mentally in my mind, and I take bits of paper in there, but I never look at them, because you can't. Because then you go, so anyway, in 1960, you can't do that. You're supposed to know enough about them. She can't do a four-minute interview without looking down at a piece of paper going, so what colour is your hair? You know, it's, it's, it's that kind of mentality. And the, the interviewers have now started noticing and all the uh, reviewers have started saying it's a little bit... It's become a little bit fake. It's not what I call genuine television. I can spot good people on television and fake people. Emma Crosby on GMTV is probably a very sweet person. But to be honest, she's another one who's walked out of a closet and they go, OK, you're a presenter because you've got the hair and you've got the looks and you're about as slim as a brush. And so they're, they're going to put her on there. How long she lasts, I've got no idea. Anthony has already eaten the portable porridge. You see, it's very good. He says, mmm, very tasty. Although full of sugar and stabiliser. Oh, that's right. That's right. Oh, is it? Oh. He said, I'll buy you a bag of the cheap and healthy stuff. I don't want any cheap and healthy. I haven't got the time. Just to, I had to rush in in the morning, things to do, people to see, you know, places to go to, invoices to type up. Although actually not typing invoices at the moment is the way forward, because now I've got the new computer, I haven't quite fathomed out. And the producer says to me this one, she goes, oh, are you doing a spreadsheet? I sort of, I stared at it, I glazed over, and I went, what? She went, oh, and, and then and they said, oh, you're doing a Word document. I went, no, still not computing this one at all. And then she said, oh, you're, you're just doing, and I went, I really am not understanding anything you're talking about here. I just know that I go to this little thing which had Microsoft Word before, but I don't have Microsoft Word. I've obviously got something new on Apple. I don't know what. And, and you, you click on it, and up comes the thing, and then I change the date. Oh, it was a Word document. Oh, it's a Word document. Not on this thing, it's not. Not on my new one. So I've got no idea how to type my new my, my, my invoice for this month. So I did it on my old computer, but I've, it's, it's just really balmy. It is just absolutely driving me crackers. So I'm going to have to learn it in the next few weeks. Because coming up at the end of... Is it the end of this month? It's VAT. And I thought I was going to be paperless, but actually they've sent me a piece of paper, so I'm going to send them a cheque. I feel a bit better about that, because on the computer it's, it's just... A, it's a bit confusing. 
my life is just a bit confusing. Your life's probably confusing as well, because I'm going to tell you now, it's Tuesday, and you're going to go, well, where the heck did Monday go? And the answer is, Monday was that horrible wet day that brightened up later, by which time it was too late. I got in yesterday, put the central heating on, and thought, I'm going nowhere. Bank holiday or no bank holiday. I've got a minced beef pie and some Brussels sprouts to enjoy, so I'm staying in with the heating on. So I had my Brussels sprouts, and very nice they were too, with a little tin of new potatoes. But I only needed about three, so I... I well, they're a little tiny too, but I didn't eat them all. I just took three out. I don't know why, but what do you mean by about tin of new potatoes? How else do you buy them? Well, where do you get new potatoes from? I don't have an allotment. They don't sell them in Mars. Honestly, you just make things up, don't you? They sell new potatoes, ladies and gentlemen. They come in a tin. It's marked new potatoes, tin of. Peel the lid back, pour them in a saucepan. I don't know why she makes life complicated. We're not, we're not land girls or something. Quarter past five. <laughs> News headlines, ash from the volcano in Iceland is causing more problems. Ireland's closed all its airspace until at least early afternoon. A 48-hour campaigning marathon's underway in the run-up to Thursday's general election. And police investigating the failed car bomb attack in New York's Times Square on Saturday say they've identified a man who bought the car. Let's have a check on the roads, get it there nice and quick today. Although if you like me, you probably want to stay in bed. With the travel, Matt Jones. That sounds like a good idea at this time of day, doesn't it? Uh, yes, good morning. We'll uh, start off uh, with news of the flights, as we heard on... The- 18 minutes very nearly, past five o'clock, Tuesday morning. It's Steve Allen's early breakfast. Everything you've heard about the programme is true, whether you like it or not. That's the way we go, I'm afraid, at this time of the morning. We, we don't take any prisoners. I'm not really interested in sort of doing mamby-pamby, oh, let's be lovely to everybody. Because, frankly, nobody's like that at all. Even you listening out there in Radioland. You know, everybody says exactly the same. You go and have a drink, cup of coffee, and you go, God, did you see that rubbish last night on the television? That's what we do. We do exactly the same thing, only we're a little bit more honest. You know, I don't feel even, and the funny thing is, even the uh, the critics have changed over the years. You know why? Because they all want to be famous. All the critics. There is not a columnist or a TV critic who doesn't want to appear on television, which then makes it impossible for them to be a critic. How could you possibly write honestly about dreary television programmes when you're appearing on them? You've noticed, that's why, I mean, the Alan Titchmarsh show is a classic example of drag on as many people from Fleet Street as possible so they all talk about it. You're never going to find Kelvin McKenzie being rude about the Alan Titchmarsh show. Never, ever in a million years. They don't because they're all protecting their 250 quid a pop guest appearance fee. You're never going to find anybody slagging off, you know, any of these shows. And now, of course, there's a new one, which is Michael Ball's chat show, which is replacing Alan Titchmarsh for a while. Produced by the, it's exactly the same production. And, uh, and that will probably have guests on there as well. And it'll be the same people who've appeared on the Alan Titchmarsh show. Because they, they, they kind of run out of ideas. I wonder how we did on... Uh, oh dear, worry about the racing news a little bit later on, I think. OK, let's give you a rough idea. I know Anthony did this earlier on, but now he's had the porridge. He's probably overdosing on sugar, poor soul. He's probably up on the ceiling going, Oh, my God, I wish I'd not had Steve's porridge. Uh, here's um, Fern Cotton revealing she was bullied at school for being a teen star on television. I know, uh, the trouble is, Fern, and I'll be quite honest with you, your presentational skills have got worse over the years. You've certainly not got better. You've fallen into that trap which Channel 4 had of putting all their presenters on there and you've got Steve Jones and Makita... And, and Makita used to be actually quite good and quite controlled as a presenter. Where she goes from there, I've got no idea. Who's going to be interested? And somebody that can't, like, can't, and, you know, what for, and, you know, if... And they've got no idea. Because they think that's youth television. I said the other day, Dappy, who's in N-dubs, apparently has had a sex band put on him by the other members of the group, so he doesn't bed the dancers who are with them. And I thought, ugly little bloke like that, bedding dancers. How desperate are they, for God's sake? 
God, blimey. Hope for everybody, I should imagine. Sad about Lynn Redgrave. Very sad. She'd suffered breast cancer for seven years. We had Corin Redgrave on In Conversation some time ago. He was lovely. He was charming. And, uh, and Lynn I loved ages ago. If you've never seen the film Georgie Girl, get the film out. It's worth it. It really is good. I mean, she uh, shot to fame at the age... I think she, she was about 20, 21, 22 when she did Georgie Girl. She was 67... And uh, she'd had breast cancer. She was in Peter Pan. The movie. She, was, she did loads of things. She was just she was just that sort of person. You think she was a nice person, um, and she had, I suppose, a good innings at sixty-seven. Her children were with her when when she died. It's never a pleasant experience. We'll all go through it at some point in our life, and you'll either get through it or it'll sort of just devastate you completely. But uh, much missed. Third member of that acting dynasty to die in a year. You sometimes think it's a bit like the. Uh, the people in America, who's that, uh, the, um, the the Kennedys, they seemed doomed as a family, didn't they? Because, you know, one by one, different things happened to them. Uh, I see Naomi Campbell, a supermodel, I don't know why they call them super, super strop, as far as I'm concerned, uh, burst into tears during a televised chat with Oprah Winfrey. Yeah, crocodile, I suspect, knowing what Naomi Campbell's like. And Oprah said, are you just a petulant diva? And, uh, and Naomi says... She's famed for her angry outbursts. When you say angry, this isn't just angry outbursts. This is, this is a real nasty piece of work, ladies and gentlemen. You know, I can understand it if she was something special. She's only from Streatham. She's not from anywhere special. She didn't come from Monte Carlo. She comes from Streatham. She's a Streatham bird, you know, who just happens to wear loads of wigs. And they call them supermodels. For that, it means that you have to walk in a peculiar way, which looks like you've, you know, you're sort of suffering from some dreadful disease. Have you seen them walking up and down the catwalk? They sort of... I can't really describe how it is. But I thought, first of all... Oh, no, it doesn't matter what I thought. But anyway, so uh, she walks up and down, and she says, basically, basically, I know I've done wrong. I don't have an excuse for my behaviour. It comes from abandonment issues. Of course it does, sweet pea. Do you, where did you read that? On the back of a postage stamp? God, blimey. Anyway, her, her billionaire boyfriend... Vladimir Doronin was in the audience to see the interview shown in the States last night. How lucky that you could find a billionaire, because it's now given him... You know, because if you're very rich, you can, you can pull who you want. It's not difficult. I mean, if you're, it doesn't matter if you look like the back of a bus. Look at Robert Maxwell, for God's sake. Ugliest man in the world, but filthy rich. Easy peasy to pull people like that. You've only got to look, you know, Tiger Woods. Oh, no, perhaps he's not a good example. But uh, all these people, the more money they've got, the more powerful, the easier it is, Jack Tweed. You know, it's easy, isn't it? If you're famous, you can pull somebody. You know, it's not... You go into a club and there's no end of um, girls out there who will be more than happy to get... Would you like to come home with me? I'm too bloody right. Can I bring my friend as well? Well, there's a lovely story in the Daily Star today. I only mention it because I mentioned Jack Tweed, and it, I think it fits in quite nicely. And uh, it's the sexy model who slipped between the sheets with Jack Tweed has said, give me a bad boy any day, they're more fun. And here she is. Her name is Sexy Laura Rose Jones. And she's the brunette who apparently spent the night with Jack just days after he visited Jay's Good Jade Goody's grave to beg forgiveness. And the headline is, Laura Spills Bean on Wild Night with Jack, OK? And there's a lovely picture of this classy old brass in the paper, you know, topless, hands covering, rather flat-chested, so I don't know what she went home with him for, I've got no idea. But she says here, I'm not the kind of girl who's going to sleep with a guy just to sell a story. That's not me, and Jack knows that, he trusts me. He'd be thrilled to see you in the paper today then, sweet pea. Laura Spills Bean's on Wild Night with Jack. I mean, you're a credit to your parents. I bet they're... That's our daughter! who slept with somebody and now tells you about it. 
Oh, marvellous. Let's put you on a pedestal, dear. But as I say, London clubs, absolutely full of them. You can't move in London clubs for these girls. Years ago, they used to stand on street corners. Now they actually go inside the clubs. And then they sell the stories afterwards to the newspapers. And it, it does make you worry. If you're a famous person, I mean, we all know that footballers are a bit stupid. But you would think, after a while, they would realise if some bleach blonde girl with her boobs hanging out approaches you, you run a mile. Because chances are she's either a hooker or she's going to be selling a story or it's a setup. Because that's what they do now. Because people want to be famous. I never wanted to be famous. More on Richard Maidley. And here he is. Um, uh, they're also, there's other rumours about Strictly Come Dancing. They're saying that they're going to get rid of a few people. Uh, top of the hit list for the new producer could be Tony Beak. Now, I'll be quite glad to see the back of Tony Beak. I've had more than enough of this simpering drip all over my television. I'm glad they uh, axed him from Hole in the Wall because he's just no good. Either you're going to be a little ballet dancer and you're going to, you know, pop around the floor and do something like that, and that, that's great. In which case, But don't start thinking that you're going to be a presenter because you are lame. So if they get rid of him, that's fine. Bruce Forsyth has not signed his contract yet, but he doesn't need to because it runs, I think, till December. Uh, although they're saying he hasn't signed the 2010 contract. Well, I would have thought you'd be all right. Uh, and they're also saying that they could drop uh, Toss Daly and they could put on that ghastly, dreary bore, uh, Christine Bleakley, who is suffering at the moment from a dearth of publicity. Because poor, how you, Christine, uh, ever since Adrian Childs defected, apparently he was in a dreadful state about it. That's what it's like when you sign for £6 million to ITV. And they make you actually work for your money, as opposed to sitting at the BBC and not really doing a great deal. Uh, Christine's thought that maybe she's going to take over on the programme and be the main presenter. She's going to be like an Anne Robinson type. So, of course, if they bring in other blokes to sit in on the programme, it's going to put her down and she's going to have her nose put out of joint. And I predict it's not going to be too long before you start seeing a face of a woman sucking a lemon. Because she's going to hate it that somebody's going to come in and they're going to think, right, I've been brought in, I'm the main presenter, you just sit there and chip in with girly comments like, well, I bought some nail varnish today. Hi, you. You look great. I love you. Would you like to meet my mother? Are you a footballer? I love you. You know, and that kind of stuff. And if that doesn't work, she's going to throw her toys out with, with the pram. And so her agent is quite clearly getting as many stories in the papers as possible about poor old Christine, who is average. Average. I could take somebody out of this building. I could take all sorts of people. You could put them on television, they'd be better, and they'd probably work a lot cheaper. So today they've done a spread in one of the papers of showing how you can do Christine up to make her look sophisticated. Because obviously somebody said, you don't quite look sophisticated. And, you know, and it's, 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 you're all right. You know, they, they don't mind you, but you're trying a bit too hard, Popsicle, at the moment. Just a little bit too hard. And, you know, much as though, and I heard yesterday Christo saying that he wasn't a fan of Tess Daly. But I'm not a fan of Tess Daly either. I thought her meteoric rise to, uh, to being chief sycophant and brown noser on the Strictly Come Dancing programme happened a little bit too quickly. What with her and uh, Vernon... Oh, I must send another naughty text uh, away. Is, is the kind of thing that, you know, went out years ago. I'm not interested in husband and wife teams. I'm not interested when people say, oh, look at the, uh, look at the chemistry between these two people. I don't care. I just want somebody to better read. It's like, it's like reading the news on the television. Auto cuties. Everywhere you go, people who can read out aloud. I could do that at school. You know, when I was seven, I could read out aloud. They now make a big deal about it, you know. And here is the news. What I want to do is just turn the auto cue off and go, OK, Phil. Go on, Phil. Because that's what happens. Whenever their TV careers fail, they crawl into radio. And they go, oh, I can do radio. I can do radio. But you know, because you've heard people on radio before, and you go, I don't think you're very good. 
84850, steve at lbc.co.uk. You know Christine Rianoff? Chris, uh, was Christina Rianoff the one who went out with Joe Calzaki? Or might be. I can't remember. Anyway, she's one of those... Uh, these Yes, I think she is, actually. A lot of makeup and bleached hair. Very bleached hair. Anyway, her and Brian Fortuna had booked in around the country to do live shows. Because they're all trying to cash in and make a bit of money. But anyway, they have pulled out of, according to the papers today, all 12 shows. Now, as far as I'm concerned, you book a show into a theatre, you blooming well turn up and do it. People have paid good money to see you. But unfortunately, they, they've saying, they're now saying that they, they, they can't um, do these shows for reasons known to themselves. I want to know what reasons. London's biggest conversation. LBC 90s. Morning, everybody. Tuesday morning. Tuesday morning as we go into election week. You will, of course, be listening to LBC. You will be voting on Thursday, even though you probably don't want to. And even though you're probably thinking, I don't know, Steve, which one do I vote for? And I can sit here and tell you, I haven't got the faintest idea either. They all tell lies. They'll tell you anything. All they want is your cross in their box. That's all they want. They'll tell you anything. The only thing they can't be uh, too sure about is immigration. They've all got policies, but they're, not, they're a bit, bit airy-fairy, a bit, bit hazy and fluffy around the edges. Because if they come up with the wrong statement and the press go, oh, so you're going to ban everybody, are you, and kick everybody out who's illegal, well, the vote disappears. You could lose two to three million votes on that. So they're, they're not going to say anything at all. That's why I find it quite, quite funny. It's always going to be, though, isn't it? It's always the three-horse race. There's all these other parties, but it's always, it always appears to me over the years it's a three-horse race. What will happen on Thursday? Only you can determine. John says, is that all TV guests get paid? 250 quid? They're only there for about 10 minutes. You get a car, it takes you in, you go into makeup, they put, somebody puts your makeup on, you go and sit down, you talk, no, 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 like that. You get in the car and it takes you home. 250 pounds. You've only got to do a couple of those a week and you're looking at about an extra 50 grand a year. Not bad for part-time work. Not bad for part-time work. Different if you're presenting the programme. Different if you're presenting, but uh, but for, for actually guesting on, absolutely, that's that would be 250 would be standard. I do know somebody actually as a guest who has appeared on a certain programme, which I can't tell you what it is, and they got £2,000 for appearing. But if you host a programme, I shouldn't imagine that Christine Bleakley, for presenting the one show, is on any more than, I would hazard a guess, at between 1750 and 2500 quid. Certainly wouldn't pay any more than that. Nowhere near that, if, 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 if I'm being truthful with you. I would think I would think most of the loose women are probably on around about 750 quid a day. That would be average. Although there might be some listening at the moment going, are you serious? <laughs> I would think about between 500 and maybe 1,000 pounds. That would be average. Because you've got five people on a panel, so that's five grand a day. If, it, if you're going to pay them all 1,000 pounds, a lot of money. So going back to Christina Rianoff and Brian Fortuna, so they obviously agree at some point, I'm assuming, to do these live shows. Now they start pulling out. The tour organiser says they've come up with that many excuses. First, she has to have a day off a week, and then it was something else. I'm in the middle. I may have to take legal action. Ian Dickens, artistic director of the Lincoln Theatre in, uh, uh, in Lincoln, says they're letting down kids expected to perform with their heroes. Yesterday, they were unavailable for comment. I mean, do you know, I would get really angry with something like that. If I paid out good money, and, there's a, and, and the, if there's a genuine reason why they cannot perform, fair enough. If they're just doing it, they go, well, I don't think we want to do it now. There might be something better coming up, because it's TV, and we'd rather do TV than do this. Then you go, well, I think we're going to sue you. You know, if you've signed a, a legal document, 
But then you think to yourself, it's it's letting people down. Once you let them down, they don't forget. Or perhaps Anton Dubique could go and do it. Shell says, oh dear, mangles, Steve. Bringing back loads of memories of wash days. Mangles, washboard, posher and dolly blues. Dolly blues. Remember, was that the little bag? I think that was a little bag, wasn't it? I'm assuming it was a little bag. I could be totally wrong. Sounds like a little uh, a little bag. Uh, Saturday's uh, star, Molly King. There's another one the other day. Frankie, her name is. She's in the Saturday. Oh, no idea who she is. But she appears on an advert on the television. They're all a bit dreary, I'm afraid. But um, she was getting ready to DJ with bandmate Vanessa White at Brighton's GAY on Saturday. Are you gay then, Molly? Or, are we, are we, are we, or is this sort of the, the sort of straight influence going in to do GAY? I'm always fascinated by things like this. What would be the purpose of you DJing? Is a singing career washed up now or something? They don't last long, do they? Unbelievable. Very, very quickly. Uh, the suspect in... T- oh, obviously looks dodgy, the coffee. Does it look dodgy? Has it been repaired? Does it look really... No, oh. at the end of everything. So oh, is it? The milk with it. Oh, no, show me. Oh, <laughs> no. Slightly pond water. It is slightly pond... Is he out there, is he? No. No, he's not there. No, oh, dear. I hope he's coming in to do it. Just... Mm. Oh, d- oh, I don't know. I'll, I'll do, I think it doesn't taste too bad. Really? Is it parcel? Christo was drinking it yesterday, though, wasn't he? Yeah. Much he will drink anything. Yeah. I mean, it has to be said. It's sort of... Oh, dear. I don't know. It's sort of passable. It's sort of passable, provided you've never had a cup of coffee in your entire life and you don't know what they taste like. Oh, look, wait a minute. 20, uh, 36 minutes into the programme and there's a Kerry Katona story. Whee! We love Kerry Katona. Whee! Because on... They had the weakest link yesterday, and they had uh, Paul Young and Natasha Hamilton, who actually sang quite well. She made them all sing, except Bass Hunter, because Bass Hunter doesn't sing. He doesn't sing, you know. He, he sings on it, yeah, but he, he obviously can't sing live, cause he, he, because he, he wouldn't sing in the studio. Everybody else sang. Jonathan Ann still sang. Very pretty boy. She went to him, oh, you look a bit gay. You know, and I'm thinking, yeah, well, you look like a wizened old bag with, fa- with face surgery. So, I mean, what's the point? You know, no point in just insulting somebody. But he sang very well. Uh, Natasha Hamilton won. She was brighter than Paul Young. So I was, I was quite pleased about that. And at one point, the, uh, the wizened old woman in the, whittle, in, in the middle, in the whittle, in the middle with the funny hair, and the, in the whittle, I don't know what the whittle is. Sounds like a river, doesn't it? <laughs> Said to uh, her... Um, oh, so you were an atomic kitten. So uh, you're you're a very big fan of Kerry Katona's then. And Natasha Hamilton looked at her and went, "No." <laughs> and I thought, what a wonderful a wonderful TV moment. But they were all on there. They had one of the Nolans. Must have been filmed recently. This. So this was either after Denise had uh, was it Denise who announced she had cancer. She was on there. There was. I'm trying to think who else was on there. Oh, it's Bernie, was it? Oh, right. Did, 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 oh, I can't remember who had the breast cancer now. I've lost track of it in the Nolans. But anyway, so she was on there. She sang. She was very good. And Paul Young, I can't remember if he sang, so I went out to put uh, the sprouts on at that moment. Wee! Love sprouts. Thought put them in now. Be ready about seven o'clock. And, and then there was Bass Hunter, Jonathan Anstel. There was uh, Kelly, a girl from Eternal, I think. And... Chef of the Life, I can't remember who the other people were. They can't have been that memorable, can they? Oh, there was a black guy who rapped, whose name was Ashley when he was acting, but something else when he wasn't acting, when he was, when he was rapping. I don't think he was that good at rapping either, and she was a little bit patronising to him. A little bit patronising. I thought there'd be a complaint there. And, and there might have been two other people. Oh, yes, one of them was Jay from Five, who now makes a living turning up on shows going, I'm Jay from Five. And I think, what, what is your name? 
You know, in, in the in the little Boise band Five. What happened to Richie and Five? Do you remember Richie and Five? He went out with Billy Piper. You must remember him. Five turned up on the lottery, and they went through a thing where they had to wear all leather coats, and they were doing their songs with their little dancing and everything else. And and I remember Richie because he had more makeup on than Billy Piper. He appeared to have foundation on, and I and he was sweating like a like a pig, poor soul. And and I wonder what happened to him because Jay turned up on a reality show. They're dead boring, some of these people. And then and then Richie disappeared, and I can't remember who the other ones were in five. Somebody will tell me. People remember these things. Uh, I just heard you saying to Anthony, have one of my porridge portions and leave a quid. Quite funny. Well, it cost me 95p. I bought 16 of them. I didn't intend to buy 16, but I thought, they're there. I'm going to eat them. It's not like, I'm, you know, I gave one to him out of the generosity, you know, and the goodness of my heart. I thought, look at him. I didn't realise that contained that much sugar. Sugar. Which is a shame. Uh, Steve, I'm one of those people thinking, what? These people get paid that much money for taking up valuable airtime? Adam says, I'd rather watch paint dry. They do. That's why they all do it. They've all got very lucrative jobs writing columns. I shouldn't imagine Sue Carroll walks home with anything less than 150 grand for doing her column, I would think. And then you can supplement it by another 20 grand here, 30 grand, whatever it happens to be. That's why they all turn up. Now that GMTV have pay-per-reviews, they can't believe the luck. You know, sometimes if you use Nick Nick Conrad, you probably get him a bit cheaper because I think there's a, there's a, there's a scale. Two fifty would be top whack, but if somebody wants to do it and learn learn the, the trade, they'd probably go one hundred and fifty pounds. You know, if you're going to do on Sky or something like that, I don't know if Sky would pay two fifty. We'll have to find out. Actually, I can't think of anything worse than having to do that. I really, I mean, it's like selling yourself down the river. Not my kind of thing at all. Um, Steve, just got mine. We've got a family of foxes. In the uh, in the garden. Oh God! You don't want a family of foxes. Last thing you want. The noise. The noise. Could be dreadful. Anyway, I mentioned Kerry Katona briefly, and I didn't get round to the story. The story is that uh, it's it's an, it's an old one. They've actually pinched this for an interview uh, I read the other week, which we used on the program. That uh, she's got um, divorce plans. You know, after she's she's divorced this plank she married, she wants more children. Do you not have to find somebody to do it with or something? Or perhaps I'm a bit out of touch with this. Since splitting from Mark Croft, uh, Kerry has been struggling to put her struggles with cocaine and binge eating behind her. So? Well, you have to deal like normal life, like everybody else. She's renting a converted barn with seven bedrooms in Godstone. That'll lower the price of property in the area. Seven bedrooms, so there's her and, and the children. They all have a bedroom each today. And I thought she was bankrupt. Who's paying for this? They've obviously assumed that there's going to be some work round the corner. I fear not. Unfortunately, it's the same old Kerry Katona. And I did laugh the other day, and somebody pointed it out to me. One of, one of the critics pointed out the other day that they were... Uh, Jeff Brazier turned up on one of these dreadful programmes on the television, where it's sort of like... It's sort of rent a minor celebrity. And, and this was uh, a show with the same hormone levels as Loose Women the jelly-headed agenda of GMTV and the overwhelming fake matiness of Holly Willoughby on This Morning. The Stuff of Nightmares. It's Angela Griffin and Friends on Sky One. Target audience, menopausal yucca plants and undiscovered corpses. (laughs) A brain-shriveling mix of chat, fashion bolo, makeovers for uglies, relationship counselling and boyfriend bores like Lisa Faulkner and drug advice from Angela's friend, Jeff Brazier. Quote... I've never tried drugs, and it never did me any harm. Right, OK, because he's not the brightest penny in the box, is he? A combination seemingly invented to remind us what a great job Adrian Childs did on The One Show. 
Jeff Brazier stating the Sahara deserts in Asia and still beating Lisa Faulkner in the general knowledge quiz. A little bit worrying, I'm afraid. However, on the subject of, um, of Jeff Brazier, sometimes the stupidity of television is depressing. But let's face it, this next example just made me want to applaud, writes Ali Ross. April the 22nd. Jeff Brazier is admitted to the Priory, unable to cope with the pressures of fatherhood. April the 28th, Living TV, 8pm, Super Daddy with Jeff Brazier. What a load of old spherical objects, ladies and gentlemen. Jeff, I'm so marvellous, Brazier. No, you're not, pal. You're thriving on the back of Jade. And that's uh, that's all it was, I'm afraid. Uh, I'll be glad when we see the back of Britain's Got Talent, because I've discovered over the past couple of weeks we haven't got any talent. We've got some 14-year-old who sang... But then I've seen 14-year-olds singing before. Go to most girls' school, you'll find 14-year-olds who sing, and sing very, very well. And then every so often they will sort of pluck somebody, like Charlotte Church. Yeah, singing is what the X Factor's for, but they've managed to combine it into... Because Britain's Got Talent is also for singers. You know, because you can hardly sort of put a magician pulling a rabbit out of a hat through, can you? Or, well, you just can't, because magicians never go through, traditionally. I didn't see the magician. Was he not very good, was he? Oh, she wasn't very good. Oh dear, even worse. You see, I like you know me. I love magic and stuff like that. I just don't think that that at the moment there's a place for it on television. People love watching it, but when it's an audience and when they're baying for your blood, somebody comes on and goes, "Box empty." Da da. People go, "Get off." They're not interested. They're not interested. Watch Darren Brown, and you'll sit there going, "Uh," because people like that kind of thing. But how long? If Darren Brown went on Britain's Got Talent, and if you didn't know he was Darren Brown. He'd be off straight away, be going, right, what I'm going to try and do now is I want... Off! Off! You've wasted far too much time. People want you to come on and do something very quick, like a quick change. You know, that would impress them, because the audience would a little bit... And clap their hands a bit like seals. So anything that's slightly sophisticated... Oh, they're all right if it's sort of... Because there's a lot of hefty hideaway birds in the audience. And they like it if one of the blokes takes his shirt off. And at some point, because Amanda Holden, she's good... I mean, she's good. She saw all these guys coming out the other week with their tops off, and she went, gymnasts? You see, I had them down for ballet dancers. I mean, I'm obviously on another planet. But she's she's good. She's not as good as Piers Morgan. Twins come on, and he goes, you're identical. It's, you know, it's brilliant television. You couldn't... How this man ever got to be an editor, God alone knows. Unbelievable. But it, it is it is good. And come the new series next year, when poor old Simon has said he's had enough of it. I'm not surprised, must be doing his head in. I think they might be looking for some new panellists. Perhaps you could lose either one of them and save yourself £405,000 a year. You must better find somebody off the street. There must be some... Jeff Brazier! He could go out and do it. That'd be good, wouldn't it? We like Jeff Brazier. He's... Oh. Oh, he can't cope with things. It's all very stressful for him, isn't it? Had to go into the Priory. The, 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 the pressures of fatherhood. Whoosh, unbelievable. 14 to 6. <laughs> These are the headlines. Another cloud of volcanic ash has grounded hundreds of flights to and from Ireland and parts of Scotland. Airports will be closed for six hours today, but planes from elsewhere will be able to fly over the airspace. A 21-year-old man's been found shot dead in a garden in Deptford. He was discovered at around nine o'clock last night. And seven people have been arrested after Luton Town fans invaded the pitch at the end of their team's defeat to York City yesterday. Check on the state of the uh, roads for you. Get you there nice and quick. Help Matt Jones. Thanks, Steve. Uh, morning. Problems in Deptford uh, this morning. Sanford Street. Morning, everybody. Don't forget, uh, Nick Ferrari, not in the battle bus today, but he certainly will be tomorrow. Uh, today, he is going to be uh, looking at the fact that it's just two days till we go to the polls. Nick Clegg, 
will be joining Nick in the studio. You'll have an opportunity to put your questions to the Lib Dem leader. Plus, should the Mayor of London have more power? Uh, Artie Halle, head of Fleet Street Consultants and author of Positively, will be looking at the papers today. Uh, on the subject of business, Justin Urquhart-Stewart will be uh, in as well. And uh, they'll be talking about the terror threat to New York uh, with Mike Yardley, the history of terrorism. He was a hostage himself, of course, in, in Beirut. We did that on Sunday. And on the death of Lynn Redgrave, they're going to talk to Michael Winner because he actually cast Redgrave in one of her first movies. Be listening to this programme now, I shouldn't wonder, actually. Uh, more in the papers today. I mentioned Matt Willis and James Bourne, who've turned to reality TV in an effort to boost up interest in Busted. They had hoped to recruit Charlie Simpson, but he's, he's with Fightstar and he's not, not interested in going back to it. And you remember Busted, they were the group who jumped up and down all the time. I thought they were quite catchy. And I don't know, I mean, it all just sort of went pear-shaped after Charlie left, because they were terribly middle class. Charlie was like, terribly okay, yeah. And they just looked a bit out of place with the groups. So when he jumped up and down, he looked like an overstuffed wardrobe, sort of jumping up and down. And they all did it. And it was all just a bit funny. And then when they must have made some money, because I think James Bourne wrote all the hits. So they must have made a small fortune, unlike so many other people, like Kerry Katona, made nothing out of Atomic Kitten. Uh, Natasha Hamilton made nothing out of Atomic Kitten. And quite clearly, Blue made nothing out of Blue. Because they don't do, they, they, all they do is they go out and perform. Somebody comes up with a song. All the people on The X Factor, very few of them will make a lot of money. Susan Boyle has only made money because she's sold in America. If she was only sold here, there wouldn't be any money. Certainly nothing like she had over there. And I listened to Anthony earlier on talking about a couple who have bought a, a lovely Desres to run down public toilet. And they've converted it. And there's quite a number of public toilets that have been converted over the years. The one at Shepherd's Bush is converted into a snooker hall. Uh, the one in Staines became an office, and the one in Twickenham on the Green became a cafe. And it, it, they do it, but this particular couple, Tracy and Graham, they're not married, uh, spent £15,000 on the Victorian loo. They forked out 35000 doing it up. Why it costs £35,000, i have got no idea. I've seen, I've seen better makeovers, to be honest, on the television, where they say, and we spent 15000 they practically built a house. But they do have a bay window that used to be the kiosk. They come from Scarborough. Some people joke, you're the couple who live in a lavatory. But we have got a house with a sea view. Not only have they got a sea view, but they've only spent, I mean, in theory, 50 grand. And so, fancy you used to have... I don't understand why it had a kiosk. Why would you have a kiosk for the ladies and gents? Oh, to buy, to buy soap. Oh, per... No, not perfume. Honestly, you live in cloud cuckoo land here. You don't go into a toilet. Perhaps to pay to go in. Do you know, if, if you go into Austrian toilets, they have a lady who sits there and she's got a little tray of money and you're supposed to put money in the, to use the toilet. But it, in, in... Yes, I don't... And they've got unisex toilets. Unisex toilets? What's going on there? I didn't like that idea. No, don't do unisex. But so many of them are. So many of them are. And they've also got in Austria... I remember I was there when they had their first topless swimming pools. And they said that... Because they... they I mean, you can go along the banks of the Danube... And it's all naked. All, all the naturists are there. A lot of people riding bikes, carefully. Uh, on the subject of Pineapple Dance Studio, which I cannot bear, I'm afraid. I'm really... I'm sorry, I've tried it. If I, if, if, if I don't see Louis, you know, before hell freezes over, it'll be too soon, I'm afraid. It's a picture of him in one of the papers today, cavorting in the showers, with a, in, not in the showers, in the um, fountains at Trafalgar Square with a mystery man. I'm sorry, we've seen NAF Queens before on the television. Joe says, uh, did you see it this week where the deluded Andrew Stone actually hired a female bouncer and then pre proceeded to try and sing at an old people's home, much to their dismay? Do you think he's actually for real? 
What, the fact he's deluded? Absolutely, he's totally deluded. I mean, the man has no talent whatsoever. It's a shame, really. In fact, even the fact we're talking about him will make him think that he's important. But, I mean, just an embarrassment. The trouble is, there are a lot of people like that. They're generally sitting, though, with a dog by their side going, a cup of tea. You know, they're generally like that. But this one's actually on our televisions. He's a bit peculiar, isn't he? He's not, he's not all there, I don't think, in between the ears. But he, he, he thinks he's a singer. Imagine, though, old people sitting in a home and they go, we've got some songs today, and they think, oh, good. Underneath the arch, we'll meet it. And then you get him turning up. There'll be people going, I want to go to my room now. I want to... No, you sit here and wait. They're being filmed for a TV programme. I don't want to do it. Don't want to be there. Are we getting any money for this? That's what they should have done. Dreadful. I feel a bit sorry for the driver of a hearse the other day. We're always a bit... We're a bit funny about funerals in this country. But this is a hearse that was stopped by the police. There appeared to be no mourners behind the hearse, or so so the police said, and they pulled over the hearse. Why? Because the driver wasn't wearing a seatbelt. So they've got this woman in the back. I mean, how you'd know who was in the back. I mean, as far as I know, it's just a box with flowers on the roof. And so the police pulled it and gave him a £60 fine for not wearing his seatbelt. Well, they don't exactly bomb along hearses. I'm assuming what they normally do is they go from the funeral director to the house... And then the cars follow on, and then you will you will pick up from from there, and then you go on to the cemetery or the crematorium, whatever it happens to be. But uh, I've never heard of one. I've heard of one being given tickets before in Twickenham. The traffic warden, not the brightest, uh, actually next to Stella's Cafe, which could be a Chinese restaurant any day soon, and Michael's the hairdressers. There's a little door, and that leads down because the funeral director, Wake and Pain. What else could it be called? Wake and Bane. Uh, the little door in between Stella's place and Michael's leads down to the Chapel of Rest. So whenever they've got somebody to bring out, because they're stored at the back, the hearse parks next to Stella's place, they open up the back door, and then they go and they get their little trolley out and they do the whole business, and traffic wardens give them tickets. And you feel like saying, it's a hearse. There's a bod... What do you expect to do, drive around... I mean, you've never met such stupid people. Of course, the council's argument is, well, if they're parked illegally, it's a hearse, for God's sake. It's a hearse. And I've, I've heard no end of horrible tales where they've sort of come outside to find some well-meaning traffic warden standing there, done up like something, like, you know, he's going to be in a war film. They've got all these jackets with pockets on and talking radios and flashing lights and computer this and a camera. I mean, they've got it all there. It's like war games. And they, they ticket hearses. So I suppose, really, not wearing a seatbelt. They must be quite vigilant. You know, watching a hearse go by and go, he's, he's not wearing it. Pull him, pull him. Do they put on the blue lights? That'd be interesting. If, you, if you're going to get married recently, uh, or, or soon, apparently, according to all the new surveys, you don't want presents. You want money. Money. Because there's no point in doing a wedding list, because most people who get married nowadays have been at it for years, and they've got everything... Long, long time ago, you used to save up for what you called the bottom drawer. And so you'd go, I've already got a toaster, and we've got an iron. And you would save up for the household things. And then on your wedding day, people would come along and you'd have to send out a wedding list. Say, listen, we don't want an iron or a toaster, but uh, we're with John Lewis. And if you log on to Alan Stroke Amanda, you'll find our wedding list there. Yeah, in your dreams. And um, and you go there and you can click on... Th- and people go, yes, and think... Uh, people will click on things, you know. They'll try and find the cheapest item. Have they got any glasses? No, they've got no glasses down there. The nearest thing is a silver coaster. Go for, how much is that? £10.50. Oh, we'll have to go for that, then. It's the cheapest thing. And uh, I bought a television for a friend of mine who got married. And then they split up. I want the television back! 
I don't care about anybody else. My brother did the same thing. I bought another... I must be fool for buying televisions. Buy him a television. What do they do? Divorce. Who gets the television? Uh, I said, I want the television back. <laughs> but you can't do that, can you? So, but nowadays, people want, want cash because you've got everything. If you've lived together before you've got married, you've got everything, so you don't want anything. There was that woman, wasn't there, in Bournemouth? A rather nasty piece of work. And she went into a wedding reception. They were having the wedding reception. As usual, when you go to the wedding reception, there's the cake and there's a band or something like that. And then there's a table with all the presents laid out. And she just helped herself. She was picking up wedding presents and walking out with them. Thieving old bag. That's what she was... Can you imagine? Dreadful, dreadful, dreadful. Absolutely awful, I'm afraid. There's a teenager in all the papers today. Um, and her name is Rhys Murray Hall. Rhys Murray Hall is 15. And she decided at 15 to, uh, to go and get um, a piercing. But in her tongue. In her tongue. So she had a stud put in. And now, got a lisp. So every time I speak, got a lisp. And she's not at all happy. There's no legal age limit for piercings, but the council say that they normally would expect some... If they're 15, they would expect to have their parents' permission. To be honest with you, why a 15-year-old is having a tongue piercing, I've got no idea. Anything more stupid, you'd be hard pushed to find. It costs £15. This one apparently ruptured a vein, so they had to take it out in hospital. But she's got a lisp. Which is not a lot of fun, is it? I've heard of people having dental surgery and you've got to wait for all the swelling to go down. But she had severe bleeding. See, I wouldn't let a 15-year-old have anything like that at all. Piercings or anything. It's just absolutely ludicrous. You don't need to have it done. It doesn't mean anything. But the, the council have said that there is no, there's no ruling on that kind of thing. You can go... Because I'm sometimes walking through Kingston. Perhaps I'll go and get an earring put in or something. Or, I know, an earring. Gypsy Rose Allen. It just sort of makes me feel like I should be doing Pegs and Lucky Heather or something. I don't know why. I just I keep thinking because my mother would have been so anti this, so anti. If I'd actually gone home one day with an earring, she'd kick me out. I would think. But I just quite fancy the idea. You see, but you see little children with earrings. I don't like that. Little boys with little hoop earrings. That looks a bit peculiar. But I quite fancy a stud or something, you know, in my ear. And I thought that that'd be a good idea. That'd be a good idea. And then I think oh, I can't do it. I can't do it. It's going to look so stupid. Man of my age, 39, coming up 41. I mean, I ask you. If you're flying today, you need to check with your airline before you set off. We're going to give you travel updates every 15 minutes here on LBC 97.3. Nick's not out with the battle bus today. He's here, but he's got Nick Clegg with him in the studio. And you can put your questions. That's from Seven. Myself and uh, my husband were uh, driving into town as we... Morning, team. Seven minutes past six. You're quite right, Scott. The voters are undecided in Twickenham everywhere. I can't talk about your particular thing because it's election week, I'm afraid. You can't do anything like that. We're forbidden under guidelines. But I think people are very undecided across the country on what they're going to vote for. You're going to watch, you're going to listen, you're going to read. And and I I wonder whether or not the newspapers have that much influence over the way you're going to vote. So, for example, if the, uh, the sun throws its weight behind one particular candidate, which it has, are you going to go there? Or if you're a mirror reader, will you then be going to them? And if you're a Lib Dem support, you know, all these different papers put their, their backing behind particular candidates or the other parties, although it's always been a three or three. It's never actually going to be the monster raving loony party in power. I mean, I don't want to be rude about it, but I, th- I, think, that, I think I'd be pretty safe putting a shilling on that one. Pretty safe. But, but that's it. You, you'll all decide at the last minute. And some people who don't even understand the, the voting system won't have the faintest idea who they're voting for anyway. They're, they're going to vote for local councillors and go, oh, I'll vote for that because they've actually promised me this without realising that they might not. Danny? Yeah, 
Later fails horrors. Says Fern Grotten wasn't bullied. They were well-informed critics. <laughs> Add to her the list of those who were a waste of human skin. I d- it's just, at the, at the end of the day, everybody comes out of the woodwork, don't they? And they go, I was bullied at school. Come on, I bet 99.9% of you were bullied at school. And, it's, and you just put up with it. It's called going through school and emerging the other side. At work, people get bullied. You know, quite wrongly, and then bosses get caught out if they're, if they're found out to be bullying somebody, and they never work again. Paul says, I always thought there was an age limit to tattoos and piercings. If you remember Lloyd Daniels, God dear, what happened to Lloyd Daniels? He had tattoos, and everybody said at his age he shouldn't have, and uh, Eggnog, who coincidentally now has a tattoo on his chest. I thought it was 18. Well, I thought it was 18 as well. But, uh, oh, I know such a good story about Lloyd Daniels. Such a good story, but I, I can't... I can't tell you anything about it. It was just a very funny story. But you're right, he was covered in tattoos, and he was only, what, 16? 16, 17? I thought you had to be 18 for a tattoo. I quite like a tattoo. But then somebody said they hurt, so I thought, I'm not going down that route. If it hurts, I don't want it. I don't, I don't care what anybody says. Uh, Daily Express today, so I was, I was just taken by the fact you could win a car today. It seems a bit naff, doesn't it? You can win a car Whereas on my programme, you could win televisions and iPhones. Nobody wants a car. Nobody can afford to run the thing. Have you seen the price of petrol? I pulled into a garage the other day. I seriously thought I'd gone blind. I had to take my glasses out and put them on. £1.28 a litre. £1.28. I'm going to vote for anybody who brings petrol down to under a pound and keeps it there. Because I don't want to... It costs a fortune. A friend of mine said the other day, he said, how much does it cost you to run your car? I said, well, I don't use it that often. I mean, I'm not, I don't go out in it every day. Might actually go out a little bit later on today because now it's uh, it's a Tuesday, and because it was it was so miserable yesterday morning when traditionally we all go off to the garden centres and you know you go oh look nice bit of sunshine let's go and buy it because everything looks great and then you get frost in the morning and half your plants die. At the moment I've just got three strawberry plants stuck in. It looks a bit sad, but as we're very shortly going to be having the patio dug up again. Uh, I suppose I should be waiting till that and they get me hanging baskets. I saw some hanging baskets the other day and they look quite nice. And I thought, shall I buy them? And somebody said, no, don't buy them yet. David, who works for Paul Cooper. Paul Cooper was up in town the other day. He had a Christmas present, which involved, I think, a massage. And, uh, and I went, oh, so I don't do massages. I cannot... I know a lot of people listening like massages, sports massage and stuff. I can't bear it. I can't... If somebody says, just relax. I can't... I'm like a coiled spring. I can't bear it. People go, just... Lo- oh, no, thank you. It just doesn't... I just... I don't know why... I wonder why that is. Why do some people like massage and some people don't? Strange. Uh, Martin says, whenever I see Louise from Pineapple on TV, I cringe and change channels. I just think it's just ghastly. You know, Louis, I mean, the producer loves, absolutely loves him. But there again, as I say, well, anyway, she loves people like that. He's just, he's just too, he just wants a slap. He's not funny. He's not funny. He's about as funny as my tin of porridge. He's not funny. I'm sorry. Yeah, my porridge is quite funny, actually. Some days it tells some really very funny jokes. <laughs> very, very funny jokes. In fact, the, the other day, my porridge came right out, and it said, I'm going to tell you a joke, Steve. And I said, oh, for goodness sake, I'm not really sure that I can actually cope with a joke from some porridge. And, uh, and I, I said, well, what, 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 what is the joke? And he said, a mate just called me in tears. His wife has left him, taken his prize Bob Marley collection and the satellite dish, poor so-and-so. No woman, no sky. Okay, that's why the porridge. Yeah, wah, wah. That's why the porridge doesn't tell me. Uh, the porridge that you gave to Anthony, how much does it cost? One hundred and fifty pounds, Connie. 
£150 of pot. It's luxury porridge. It's got gold over the top, comes with a set of earrings, matching jewellery, and uh, a holiday in the Bahamas. It's very nice. Uh, Rob says the public toilet in Shepherd's Bush is a nightclub. Oh, it's changed from a snooker hall, has it? It used to be a snooker hall. It was a very famous public toilet. And the reason it was famous is because it had the old cisterns in, which were glass, and the attendant used to polish them. They were brass. All the work that came down was brass. And the um, the machines on the door to actually get into a cubicle were the old penny, and they were made by a guy called Masculin, who was one of the magicians who worked at the Egyptian Hall. And Paul Daniels has been desperate to try and get hold of one of these. When you think that every public toilet throughout the country had these penny-in-the-slot things, and, and you can't... Why they can't get them anymore? I've got no idea. The people must have just ripped the toilet doors out and thrown them all away. Whereas I would have thought that would be... That's, that's a sort of Tracy Emin kind of thing. A gent's toilet door. Because people used to write on the back of them. So people used to sit there and think, perhaps I'll write something. You know, hello, mum. As if your mum's ever going to see it. But it was a penny. We sat there I really need a penny. And the attendant would come out and you put the penny in the slot, slid the thing, and then it went engaged. Where you get them from now, I've got no idea. I went to the... We did the London Transport Museum ages and ages ago. And the bloke came in and he said, oh, he said, guess what we've just found? And I went, oh, what? This is years ago, so don't, don't get too excited. He said, we found some of the old ticket machines on the buses, which used to have a roll of ticket in, and he would punch in and then turn the handle. And, and he said, we're, we're selling. I said, how much are you selling for? And I think it was about £100. What do you know? I wish I bought one, because ever since then, or bought two, um, I've, I've, I've missed not buying one. And it kind of annoys me, really, because I think, normally speaking, if I see something, I like it, and then I go, I'll buy two, because if I like it and it breaks, at least I've got a spare one. And I should have bought this ticket machine, because I really, really wanted it. And it came with spare rolls of paper in its leather case. And they found a store, they haven't got any more now. And I kept saying to friends of mine, I said, if ever you hear about these things coming up, I said, I'd love one. We took it for granted. Nobody ever kept them. If you watch the film On the Buses, you'll see these people... Uh, using them all the time. Really, really good. Really, really good. Don't forget, if you're thinking of flying to uh, to Ireland, you're not. OK, you're not because of the uh, the volcano again. Part of this uh, ash cloud has returned. You're all right if you're going to the States, but uh, check with the airline first. We'll, we'll give you an update in a moment, but check with your airline. Don't just turn up at the airport. Check with the airline that your flight is flying. But I think Ryanair have suspended everything until at least mid-afternoon. So there's nothing flying out from Heathrow to Ireland, and some parts of northern Scotland as well are affected. Check with your airline. That's the advice that we're offering you this morning. It's quarter past six. These are the headlines with Sam Pittis. Good morning, Steve. A cloud of volcanic ash has grounded hundreds of... Morning, everybody. Uh, Nick's on the battle bus tomorrow. Nick Clegg's with him today in the studio, 17 minutes past six. Tuesday morning, because we've had the bank holiday, so I know you thought it was Sunday. But uh, incidentally, if you've bought loads of plants in the garden centres yesterday, because we had a bit of sunshine yesterday, uh, you might lose them this week, because the uh, advice is, put the heat back on, you've got frosty mornings, I'm afraid, and frosty mornings kill little plants. So today, cloudy with scattered showers, Uh, tomorrow, cloudy with rain in most parts, in the south, dry start, cloud building, isolated showers, but they reckon in the morning it's going to go very, very chilly, very, very chilly, because it was a bit of a washout, which wasn't very helpful for all the showmen with the fun fairs, but uh, it was nice to go around the garden centres, as many of you did, and go and have a look at what was on offer. And then you go, oh, I'll buy that, and you take it home, and the frost can kill them off. Kills off doesn't actually necessarily kill off the, the um, actual plant, it kills off the roots, which is the problem. Why would a Victorian loo make every single paper today? Are we that desperately... Sh- yes, we are. We're that desperately short of stories today. And uh, do you remember the story the other week, Amanda Moore? 
Her Amanda Moore. You won't, you won't remember who she is. But she was the, the shortest woman to give birth in the UK. She was three foot one. So they've done a story on her. They say she's the most inspirational mother in Britain. Her baby's bigger than she is. It's going to be a bit of a problem, isn't it, really? I don't see why it's, she's the most inspirational. Every mother is inspirational to their child. And after that poor girl got her uh, tongue pierced and ended up with a lisp because it pierced a, a vein, I mean, to be honest, I mean, you know, people, why do they want tongues pierced? They think it's really clever. I don't know whether people... You know, it's, it's just... Imagine going, Hello, Mum, why are you speaking funny? Oh, her tongue pierced. You know, it's not, I mean, it doesn't even look... It's people who have bars put through their eyebrows and they've got... I mean, uh, earrings I can, I can cope with, but I have seen people who've got an earring and a nose ring and a chain that goes between the two. And as for the rest of people's bodies, don't even go there. The things you can have pierced nowadays, my Auntie Enid would turn, if she was able to at her age, you know, and, uh, and look at that. What are people doing now? But some people get addicted to it. It's a bit like poor old Davy Boy Beckham and his tattoos... He, the first one was quite funny. One, oh, that's that's very nice, David. Now he's beginning to look like a bit of trailer trash in America because he's covered in the things, and he keeps having new ones. This is for this is for crews. Don't be so stupid. It's for you. It's just a bit naff. And when I see Vic out there, she's got a tattoo as well, and it just looks a bit peaches geld off. I'm afraid. But did you have a, a teenage act of rebellion? If your parents went, you're not going to have you know your earring put in. You went out. And go, I'm going to have it done. A friend of mine did his own. He did it with a with a. a no, it didn't backfire, strange enough. Oh, the question was, oh, did your act of uh, rebellion backfire? But I wonder, really, because he did his with a pin and a, and a cube of ice. Because you've got no feelings in your lobe. Yeah, right. And so what people did was put the ice cube on and then push the needle through. It sounds disgusting. Don't ever try it. Because it's the, the sterilisation alone uh, would be... Just, I mean, you don't want to get any infections. And people used to get terrible infections. But you go in and they, they put it now into a gun... It looks like a giant staple gun. They put the thing in, they go click, and you go, I've never had it done. Never had it done, but uh, I've always wanted to. But that's an act of rebellion, I'm afraid, on my, on my part. You probably had acts of rebellion as well. Like your mum saying, don't eat sweets. You go, why not? Because they're not good for you. I'm going to eat sweets then. Don't smoke. Why? You'll be sick. You have a cigarette. Not sick. And that's how it starts. Riot police have been called to uh, uh, the site of a proposed £18 million super mosque. Demonstrators from the English Defence League unfurled flags and banners reading No to the Burqa and No Mosque. This was in Dudley. Two men were helping police with their inquiries. And uh, they've now called off the, uh, the super mosque. I don't know how many mosques we've got. We've got a big one in Regent's Park. They're probably all over the place, actually. I've never seen anybody actually protesting on the roof of, uh, of one before. But uh, I suppose it is possible. Uh, people protest about everything, don't they? And uh, Hair Day. They've got, they had a lovely picture the other day of Samantha Cameron looking a bit windswept. And so they've got lots of pictures of, of, of other celebrities who've been caught out with their hair looking. See, I used to love it. When I used to have long hair, the one thing I used to absolutely love was when uh, the wind blew in the car. I would open the sunroof specifically so that it messed my hair up. Because I've discovered that messy hair made it look as though you've got more. And so every time I see... Uh, Who's that bloke who nearly blew himself up in the car from Top Gear? Richard Hammond. He's got that. I mean, he just needs a comb through his hair because he's, he's got an old face and then this, this strange, wild hair that's going on all over the place. And so, so nobody combs their hair now. Nobody combs their hair. I've actually got a... Don't ask me why. A comb in the bathroom. I don't think I've used it. And I, I, the other day, I picked it up and thought, I really, really 
uh, must must get rid of this comb. I must throw it out. But for some reason, I decided to keep it. And I look at it. I used to have brushes, as indeed everybody. Everybody used to have brushes now, and you know, hair dryers. All right, so I've still got a hair dryer, but that's for different reasons. And and a comb. And I thought, why have I got a comb? When I don't know. So I dry myself with a hair dryer and a towel. Yes, I do. Does that seem odd, or do other people do that? That seems odd, does it? Okay, fine. <laughs> um, so, <laughs> I feel a bit guilty now, because I thought everybody got out of the bath and you dry yourself off with a towel and then you finish off with a hairdryer. No, it's just me, is it? I can't believe that. That's not possible. Everybody does that. They brought out an invention a while ago. We, we've got the hand dryers here, which are like the Dyson ones. You put your hand in and like a turbo, so dries your hand because so many people don't don't bother washing their hands when they go to the toilet now but they made a bigger one for almost, almost like a car wash but it was when you got out the shower so you turn it on and as you walk through it dries you off well you see i'm not too good at walking see i mean i, I do the toweling and then the hairdryer bit and it's quite i've been doing it for donkey's years i don't even think about it now but on reflection i'm obviously coming over as a little bit sad and a little bit peculiar and that worries me because I'm neither sad nor... Well, well, anyway, I'm certainly not sad. But uh, I've always used a hairdryer. In fact, I did buy one a short while ago. You remember I bought one from Amazon, from one of these sellers' market, and it was an absolute pile of rubbish, and I wrote and told them so, and, and said I would never buy anything from you again. It looked like they'd obviously got the thing in, and they just had it stuck on a shelf, and it was dreadful. It wrapped badly. I was really annoyed, and, and I threw it away. One of the cleaners took it home, I think, because it, it just annoyed me so much. I don't know why I didn't buy a new one. Why didn't I buy a new one? How stupid am I? Uh, what would you have done? Would you, would you, I mean, I wonder how many people listening at the moment have had their teeth whitened. We know that Nick has, but he had his done years ago. And apparently, if you're going to be on television, you have to have your teeth whitened now. Because everybody's got it done. And there's a, there's a lady here called Naomi, and she was influenced by people like Simon Cowell. You see, I would have thought people would have been influenced by the Bee Gees, who appear to have about £200,000 worth of teeth in their mouth which in America is big business. You go in and you have crowns and you have your root canal and you have your new teeth fitted. And you see more American children than British children with braces on, with their teeth wired up to make them straight. Nathan, my, my godson's going to have it done as well. But you don't see that many children in this country who have their teeth done. I don't know why. Is it because we don't sort of... But nobody likes going to the dentist, do they? We all hate the dentist. They go, going to the dentist? No, don't think so. Why? Frightened. Frightened of the dentist. Why are you frightened? I don't know. It's the only place you go to where even... Because he's got a drill in his hand and he's got a needle which is about four inches long for sort of... for giving you the injection. Just, I'm just going to numb you up. I mean, those words alone are enough to bring on incontinence. It's the kind of thing you lie there and you think, I'll be all big and strong, and you start counting ceiling tiles. You get one... Oh. Oh, and you you sink lower in the chair when he's putting the injection in. He goes, OK. And you can feel it. You think, oh, it hurts. And then he goes, I'll just do you another one. I've had six injections before now because he's only got to touch one one bit of your tooth that hasn't been numbed up. And you go through the ceiling. Give me a paintbrush. I'll clean it and paint it for you at the same time. Horrid, horrid. <laughs> uh, 84850, oh, steve at uk. So a quick check here. On the subject of uh, Lloyd... Yes, they did, actually. Yes, Paul in Manchester, yes. Oh, it's, it's well, oh, it's documented, is it? Oh, well, there you go. If it's documented, I shall leave it to be documented and somebody else can uh, talk about it. Yes, there was the, um, that was a very interesting story, which I can't tell you all about, but, uh, but it's a very good one, actually. Uh, another one here. 
And this is, yes, on the people who are having all their teeth done. Thousands on, uh, on dental kits. Because what people are doing, they're sending off for these kits now. And some of them don't ever buy anything on eBay that is to do with putting chemicals in your mouth. You know, if you've ever had your teeth whitened, um, how uh, it hurts, it stings. Because they, they're, they're chemicals and they shine this big light there and you shine like that and these gum guards in. So don't ever buy anything on the, uh, on the internet. Only dentists, you know, are supposed to perform teeth whitening. But hundreds of beauty salons now offer it. My advice is don't. Don't, 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 don't. I've seen a lot of hairdressers as well offering Botox. Botox. Because all you need is, um, uh, a, a, well, in fact, not only... I saw, I saw a hairdresser the other day, and they obviously had somebody going in who was a locum who was offering Botox. Why you'd think I'm going to a hairdresser and I'll have some Botox, I've got no idea. Dentists offer Botox as well, because they're licensed, and you can buy it on the internet. And you remember we were telling you about Alex Reed, who apparently, according to the papers the other day, injects himself to get the tan... Well, I'd never heard of that before. I've heard of people going on sunbeds. I've heard of people using tan towels and spray tan and stuff like that. But I've never, ever, ever heard of anybody injecting themselves. Why you'd ever want to buy needles on the internet, I've got no idea. But people do. But all the advice is, from all the experts, if you're going to put anything in your mouth, make sure that the dentist is doing it. And you're not sort of doing it yourself. Thank you, Amanda. Uh, the cheapest petrol I know, says Carl. £1.17 at Asda in Hatfield. I mean, it's going to cost me that much. It's going to cost me a tank of petrol to get out there. Never going to make it, am I? Never going to make it. And uh, another one here. Uh, where did Fern Cotton come from? Her mother, I think. I mean, I'm only guessing wildly. It's either that or a gooseberry bush. Um, Steve, you're not alone. I use the hairdryer after the shower. Yeah, not, not my hairdryer, though, do you? You've got your own hairdryer. And, uh, and Derek says, tattoos don't hurt. Yeah, right. They do. They do. I don't care what anybody says. They hurt. It's, it's a needle going at... Like, it hurts. I like the stick-on ones you used to get in Bazooka Joe. That was... I could cope with that. You wet your arm, put it on, and then peeled it off. And you went, look, tattoo. And go, no, it's not. It's a stick-on. You go, no, it's not. I've had a tattoo done. The lies we used to tell as children. Lynn says, I've just spilt my coffee. What you get up to a hair, with a hairdryer, beggar's belief. I don't know why people think it's so odd. LBC 97.3 Still to come, if you've had a, a ticket in the post from Wandsworth Council, from a speed camera and a traffic camera, and you're wondering where the dickens it is, I'm going to tell you, because people are caught every day. It's raking in a million quid a year for Wandsworth Council. They might have to backtrack on it. Details in a moment. Uh, before that, I've got a cupboard full of porridge, but uh, haven't had to hand any out today, which is good news. Because, as Alex says, excuse me, <clears throat> we had a first on Friday. Both selections in the same race. Could have been a close fight, but instead, two non-runners. Ugh. Two non-runners. Shakalaka Boom Boom, non-runner, and Jet Nova, Sam. What, what could have been, eh? What could have been? Well, I, don't, well, I think that what happens is that, uh, you know... Horses think oh, it's the bank holiday weekend. Let's not bother. <laughs> yeah. you know, let's go and I, I want. I want to go and stand in a field and eat, eat hay and grass and stuff. They probably found out I was back in him. I should think. Exactly. I like Shaka like a boom boom. I do. Jet Nova. So it's hopeless. So you're down seventeen pounds sixty six. And Alex is fifteen pounds in the clear. He's in the green. So that's good news, isn't it? Yeah. Yeah. I suppose it is. Good news. Yep. Today we're off to Bath. We haven't yep. been to Bath for a while. The three o'clock. Stunning in purple. Is that the name of the horse? It is. <laughs> Sorry. Stunning in purple. Right. 
OK, well, five race meetings, Bath, one of them, Catterick, Exeter, Fakenham and Newcastle as well. We're going to get a Newcastle. It's ten past four. It'll make you want to sing, Steve. Uh, take my hand. Take my hand. You're a stranger in paradise. Thank you. Thank you very much. That's exactly it. Yeah. Is that the song? Yeah, that's what I was thinking of. Oh, yeah. right. Is that funny? You're not old enough to remember that one. Oh, a bit of Matt Munro. You can't beat him. Oh, you know all those songs. You know me. It's uh, it's my kind of era, that. Born free. <laughs> Until somebody caught me. Yes. <laughs> oh, good. Oh, good. Right. So, Stranger in Paradise. Well, take My Hand was the name of the oh, Sorry, Take My so, Hand. I do beg your pardon. But Stranger in Paradise would uh, <laughs> probably be a good one, too. God, dear, I bet your record collection bears looking at. It really does, yeah. Well, just to get you singing this morning, Steve, it was worth it. It, it is worth it, because it's Tuesday. I'm trying to remind people it's Tuesday. Because they've forgotten that yesterday, that freezing cold day where the heating went on, it was bank holiday Monday. I stayed in. Uh, do you know me too? Mm, it just, it, it was a bit of sunshine in the afternoon, but yes. not enough to tempt me out, to be honest. Not enough to tempt me out either. No. I also looked and I thought, I put the heating on, which was quite nice. I, I kept myself warm, because otherwise you sit at home with gloves and hat and scarf. Yeah. look a bit ridiculous. So I what? put the heating on, and I was quite... I put my feet up, watched a bit of television, fell asleep, woke up, had something to eat, fell asleep. There's always that cloud just over the horizon, or just up above the house down the road you can see yes. coming your way. So yeah. as soon as you pop out to the shops, you know it's going to start raining. Typical, isn't it? Typical. I've actually got a very small one with me, umbrella, and uh, keep that in my bag. That's so a good just idea. in case, because you can't. Well, I've been caught before. I brought in my big umbrella, mm. and then you walk down the road in blazing sunshine. Trouble is, like yesterday, it was gusting so much. I think an umbrella. I, I don't think I would have trusted myself with an umbrella yesterday. You'd been blown all over the place. No, it was windy, wasn't it? Very windy. The house Very was windy. the best, best place to be. Yes, I agree. We'll talk tomorrow. Certainly will. Have a nice day. And you. Thank you very much indeed. The Sam Pittis. 24 minutes to uh, to 7. I was talking to tell you about this CCTV camera. She's making a million pounds a year from unsuspecting people in Wandsworth. And after that girl got her tongue pierced and ended up with a lisp. I think because it pierced a vein and then it turned septic. And so that's... But that's the kind of thing you do, isn't it? Have you done anything bizarre? I've seen people with tattoos, self-done tattoos on their wrist. Not on their wrist, on their knuckles. Well, they've done it with ink and a pin. and they've, I mean, it seems highly dangerous to me. You can get all sorts of dreadful infections, but people did it years ago. And, uh, and for, I can't imagine why tattoos came into being. What was the purpose of a tattoo? Mum, Dad, an anchor, or love, Cheryl, Bianca, all that kind of stuff. But then if, if you sort of fall out with them, you then have to have it erased and another one put on there. Did you do any teenage acts of rebellion? You know, like, I don't know. I can't think of a teenage... I did a dreadful thing years ago, but I can't even tell you what it was. It was so, so dreadful. So, so dreadful that, I mean, I cringe even thinking about it. I can't... I would, couldn't even hint at what it was. It was so dreadful. I can't tell I can't even tell you after the show. I can't. It's, it's the most dreadful thing you could ever think of doing. And then blatantly lying. And my boss said to me, years and years and years ago, he said, I knew you were telling a fib when you told me that story. And I went, did you... This this happened, and I'm not telling you. Anyway, there is. Well, it, it was sort of. It was yes. I mean, it was. A, I might have been about twenty. I think it was a twenty act of rebellion. Twenty one act of rebellion. Here's the CCTV camera. I must mention it to you because it's catching loads of people every day. And what these people are doing, who are being caught, is doing something fairly innocent. They're dropping passengers off outside a station. On an average day. It is landing 23 motorists with a fine of £100 each after recording them, pulling into a convenient bus stop. Now, I had this when I went to Hendon to the RAF Museum, and on a bank holiday, I inadvertently, I didn't know, strayed into a bus lane, ticket comes through the post. And I have a horrible feeling the other day, I dropped John Warrington off at Al Jazeera Television up the road, and it was, I had to pull into the side of the road to drop him off by a bus stop. 
And I'm thinking, oh, dear. But this one, Fury's victims say officials behind the cameras have acted like cowboy clampers. Wandsworth Council now face the embarrassing possibility of having to refund thousands of fines after it emerged the cameras could breach government guidelines. Regulations state clear signs should be put up to warn people about surveillance, but these were apparently ignored by the council, which means it could be investigated by the information commissioner. The camera was put up by a bus stop outside Clapham South Underground Station in September last year. In just over three months... 2,341 motorists were fined for pulling into the bus stop. Now, if that hit rate continues, with motorists paying the full £100, Wandsworth will rake in about 930 grand a year. So it's outside Clapham South Underground Station. Be warned. Conservative councillor Russell King, who was fined himself, says the camera was completely unfair and unjust. And he added, due to the bus stop's design, people instinctively want to pull into it. Well, you pull into it, hoping that there's no bus behind you so you can drop somebody off. You're not doing it to go and park and go and do your shopping, are you? I would think. So So just be warned. Wandsworth said most drivers know parking at a bus stop is illegal and claimed the Traffic Management Act does not require warning signs to be used. Oh, dear. Ooh, jobsworths. Jobsworths. People... I mean, not parking at a bus stop. You're just pulling in to drop somebody off. That's not parking. Parking is when you turn the engine off and you get out of the car and walk away. Opening the door to let somebody out is not parking. That's called pulling in. Always was. Unless, of course, you know differently. 84850, uk. Apparently, I had a lovely thing the other day in uh, Twickenham where the, uh, the lady mayor's car drew up at York House and then sort of lurched forwards a few times and then sort of lurched forwards a few more times. So trouble with sticky pedals, Scott. It can only happen. They were all very shocked. Very shocked. I shall find out more about it later. They had to go to the Barmy Arms to calm down. As you can well imagine. Uh, 84850, steve.lbc.co.uk. Um, steve, hope I would have seen you at Carter's Steam Fair. Fantastic. The Wall of Death is uh, in. Yes, they've got a touring Wall of Death with Carter's Steam Fair. Best £2 worth of entertainment I've ever seen. I don't even know where Carter's Steam Fair is at the moment. They don't do a huge uh, circuit, but they put in the Wall of Death. And they do now around North London, really. Oh, you go every year. To try and win a coconut, do you? So you can have coconut milk on your cereal. She goes there because she's vegetarian, you know. So she goes there. I like Carter's Steam Fair. In fact, he used to come in all the time. His son runs it now. His son looks after the uh, the fair. But they did move in the Wall of Death, which I used to go and see at fun fairs years and years ago. Uh, more on uh, poor old Catherine Zeta-Jones. They say now she's she's putting on weight. I mean, for goodness sake, are you not allowed to put on weight nowadays? I th- oh, is she losing weight? They say here in the pink... Uh, no, 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 pale. Oh, slender. Fr- I do beg your pardon. Slender frame. It's adding to fears that the Oscar winner's demanding work and home life is taking its toll. What does she do? I mean, is she still making films? She's only forty, isn't it? Awful. They pick on somebody at forty years. You can understand if somebody's a little bit older. But uh, they say here she's been performing eight shows of a little night music a week since previews opened in November and still has seven weeks to go. Well. Pfft. That's, that's called show business, dear. That's what people do in show business. The actress has often struggled to control her weight. She said she ate for whales when pregnant with Dylan after she reached 13 stone. <laughs> Some of us live in hope of being 13 stone. Me and my friend, Steve, oh, was Amanda, couldn't work out what the prize was you won on the coconut shy. Hopeless, isn't it? You know, so not the thing. What, what do we win? S- sweets? Don't want to. <laughs> there's no prizes on that one. 
I used to like going on there. I used to enjoy that, and I used to enjoy knocking down the thing with a little gun with the bullets in, and it knocked little men down, and you could win a packet of sweets, which, actually, at, at the end of the day, it was cheaper to go and buy the packet of sweets than it was to, to try and knock the things down. But a coconut, I don't know how much coconuts cost nowadays. And we used to get it home, we'd go, we want a coconut. we go, brilliant. What are you going to do with it? we go, I have no idea. So we'd either drill a hole in it and pour out the coconut milk, thinking, you know, we're, like, on an island, tropical somewhere... Uh, or, or failing that, you'd smash it with a hammer and then we'd go, oh, it's coconut. Whereas I discovered the other day in the supermarket, and I think it was in Waitrose, you can actually buy ready-cut coconut. It's already cut in pieces for you. You just have to eat coconut. And I haven't eaten coconut for ages because I'm not now sure whether, whether or not it's good for you. Is, is coconut one of those good things for you or is it not good for you? Good for stomach complaints. Oh, is it good for stomach complaints? Because I quite like coconut. I think I'm a stranger in Paradra. I'd, it's not... You're a stranger in paradise. Hold my hand. I'm a stranger in paradise. Da, 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 da. Are you sure it's not? I'm a stranger in paradise. <laughs> it depends. Ronald says it's not. He says it's. Uh, I'm a stranger in paradise. Hold my hand. I'm a stranger in paradise. Hold my hand. You're a stranger in paradise. No, it can't be that, could it? Well, no. Hold my hand or take my hand. You're a stranger in paradise would make more sense, wouldn't it? Than. Take my hand. I'm a stranger in paradise. Why would you want to take somebody's hand? If, 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 if you were already there and you're a stranger in paradise, why would they want to hold your hand? Hold my hand. Take my hand. I'm a stranger in paradise. I'm not going to worry about this all day. You can just tell, can't you? It's going to be the kind of thing that's going to drive me crackers. Take my hand. I'm a stranger at LBC. That doesn't work, does it? Not at all. Uh, Gloria, very happy birthday today from Claire, Rob, William, Leslie and Nick. So fantastic. It was called Stranger in Paradise from Kismet, says D. It was, but it's but the but the no, I know the song was, but the horse is called Take My Hand. So we've all got confused on this one. <laughs> Stranger in Paradise or Strange Looking Parasite. <laughs> and Judith says I'm off to a health spa for four days. Unlike you, I love massages, but I will miss you. Podcast. Podcast. It's the way forward. A health spa for four days. You see, I that wouldn't somebody say, I'm gonna send you to a a, a spa for four days. No, thank you. No, thank you at all. I would not be happy doing that. Having steam baths and thermal... Oh, no. And then somebody covering you with mud and waiting till you set hard and then leaving you there. And then go and you go into the dining room, because I've been to a few, and they go, and today we've got for you a lettuce leaf and some nuts. And you go, why? And they go, because you're fat. And you go, couldn't I have the fried bread with an egg on the top and some beans and a sausage on the side? No, you can't. Why? Because it's a health club. What is it about the word health? You're not understanding. Oh, I don't know. I'd be a lot happier if I could have that. I'd be very happy. Nice fried breakfast. Haven't had one for ages, but it is quite nice. Woking pool, apparently, has got a walk-in dryer. You get blown from three sides, says Anne. Imagine. News headlines, Sam Pittis. Thank you, Steve. A cloud of volcanic ash has grounded hundreds of flights. Take my hand, I'm a stranger in paradise. Well, that's what Clive says it is. Take my hand, I'm a stranger in paradise. So, in other words, there must be two people in this story. Because there's got to be... So you're walking up to somebody and you go, take my hand, I'm a stranger in paradise. And they then go, no. So you're kind of stuck, aren't you? Take my... See, I would have thought it was, take my hand, you're a stranger in paradise. 
I'm not sure I want to touch anybody's hand in paradise, actually. I don't even think I want to go there. I've decided. I do like the idea of woking pool with the walk-in dryer around. Thank you for that very much indeed. Uh, Tony in Bexley Heath says, My act of rebellion as a teenager was to get a job and work for a living. Oh, that old-fashioned thing. That old-fashioned thing called working for a living. Well, I'm, I'm going to vote for anybody who's going to get people off benefits. And when I say off benefits, I'm not going to go, go, go out for a cut. I'm going to take the benefits away and get them out working. Because otherwise, they, they can sit there and starve, as far as I'm concerned. I couldn't care less. Uh, Carter's is in Walton at the moment, says Rob. Apparently, we have to share them with North London. Not so keen about that. And Paul and Graham at Western International. Cheney. I had to do that the other day, and I couldn't remember whether Cheney was the company or not. But Paul and Graham are regular listeners to LBC, so that's always good news. Nick Ferrari this morning is here in the studio. Tomorrow he's out in the battle bus. And uh, we'll tell you more about that tomorrow morning. And today it's Nick Clegg who's in the studio. So if uh, you've got a question for Nick Clegg, now's your opportunity. Now's your opportunity to put all the questions to all the, uh, all the candidates and then ask them. And hopefully you can then make up your mind and decide. They'll be finding out whether or not, with the help of Scott Lucas, Professor of American Studies at the University of Birmingham, and editor of Enduring America, a cutting-edge blog on US politics and foreign policy, should the Mayor of London have more power? The answer is yes. Of course, the Mayor of London should have more power. So there we go. Very short interview on that one. 84850 uk. I quite like Boris because he's sort of bumbling a little bit. I like anybody. I don't care. Anybody who's going to clear rubbish off the streets, put more police on the streets and uh, get people off benefits and sort out a few other little problems we have. I'm more than happy. More than happy. Uh, Ron says, here we go. He, take my hand. I'm a stranger in paradise. All lost in a wonderland. A stranger in paradise. If I stand starry-eyed, that's a danger in paradise for mortals who stand beside an angel like you. Ah, so it's an angel, is it? It's an angel. I've lost the will to live with this one. I really have. I mean, it's, but thank you all for your contributions this morning on that. So it's strangely paranoid. And then Paul goes, she, oh, why do the leaves of the mulberry... Oh, here we go again. I'm really not doing the mulberry tree. I can't remember how that goes. Apart from, take my hand, I'm a stranger in paradise. You know, by the end of today, you'll be going to iTunes. It's now beginning to get on your nerves. You'll be going to iTunes. You'll be downloading it. You will. You will, I promise you, by the end of today. By the end of today. Uh, Steve, the beat this, the CCTV camera in Twickenham uh, has cost local people £1.7 million since it was switched on. And it's outside St Margaret's Station and the local Tesco's loading bay and cash point. And it's a bit of a honey trap because everybody goes there, don't they? And that's the thing. See, the trouble is I don't... I, I, I'm so worried about parking now because I get out of the car. Yesterday I parked the car and I came into here. And I had to stand underneath the thing going, right, is this side of the road... Can I park here? Bank holiday's free. Do they know this is a bank holiday? Is this an official bank holiday or a non-official bank holiday? Because that's what you don't know. And then you've got to be careful in Covent Garden because one side of the road you pay, the other side of the road you don't pay, which is not good. Uh, Steve, my daughters have fab teeth thanks to orthodontics. Do you know, I was, I was worried about orthodontists because I was thinking, given any... Any sort of job that you could have in the world. There's, there's a couple of things I would never want to be. I would never want to be an orthodontist. I would never want to be a surgeon. And I would never want to be a funeral director. There's three jobs I can think of. of you know, that's, it's a, you can understand somebody being a nurse because that's a calling and they like looking after people. But they had a, a programme the other day, and I'm not sure if it was a, a documentary, on I think it might have been uh, the children's hospital. And they were going through it. There was a little boy there, and he had... He had a heart 
problem. And he was only young, and, and they said, we're going to give you another heart. We've got to wait for another heart to come in. And he was only about, I don't know, nine, ten, something like that. And he said, will it hurt when you, when you cut me open? Which is what, you know, a normal thing that a kid would ask, because they're going to, you know, take out your old one and put in a new one. Will it hurt? And they went, no. You, did you feel anything on the last operation? No, I didn't feel anything on the last operation. And, and he was quite weak. And so they then decided, because he then started deteriorating, they, they put him on, you know, all these drugs and everything else, and they, they then went back to other stories within the programme. And you looked at the fantastic work that they do in this hospital, and he went in and he had, I think he had the heart operation, but whatever it is, he went downhill after that, and at the end of the programme, it's, they then showed a little clip and said he actually died four days after that. And they went back to the surgeon and they and they said, you know, how awful for him because he was he wasn't worried about the operation. He'd, he'd been convinced, and they, he'd said, I know. He said, but we're always learning, we're always learning in these operations. He said, we learn. Sadly, we do sometimes lose people. They do lots and lots of heart surgery, and we've got so much better. When you think when we started talking about heart surgery years ago with Christian Barnard, and people survived, and now the the success rate is much greater. But occasionally, sometimes people's bodies just give up, and they they just reject, and it doesn't work. And they wanted this heart to work, and it wasn't doing what it was supposed to be doing. Because sometimes the body goes, I've got no idea what that is, no idea at all. Uh, going back to the uh, the tattoos, um, they were originally for identification of sailors, says Bob. Before they had identification tags. What happened if you were a sailor who didn't want a, a tattoo? You know, I'd be sort of going, I don't think I want one, actually. Um, take my hand, I'm a... St- <laughs> I'll tell you, by the end of today, you'll be going, what is this? What is this film it's from? What is this show? The answer is it's Kismet. Quick roundup of the front pages of the papers, just before we uh, toddle off today and leave it in the capable hands of Nick Ferrari. Uh, front of the Sun, uh, they've got uh, half a million child victims of Haiti's earthquake are back at school. Thanks to Sun Readers. They've got uh, the Tory chief's gruelling 36-hour final push. He's touring around Britain to boost the poll lead. And the Sun tell you Conservatives 35%, Lib Dems 28 Labour 28 Whereas the Mirror, I've got a picture of uh, Cameron on the front, and the Mirror headline is how to stop him. If you're a Lib Dem, vote Labour here. If you're a Labour, vote Lib Dem here. And they've got all the, uh, the different constituencies. Daily Express today, uh, they just talk about pens and paper for public servants. Costing taxpayers, that's you and I, £850 million a year. It comes as no surprise to me. I remember the GLC. I think when the GLC moved out of County Hall, the uh, amount of, of wastage was absolutely phenomenal. Uh, voter fraud on the front of the Daily Mail today could determine the outcome of the general election as evidence emerges of massive postal vote rigging. The sad news that Lynn Redgrave has lost her breast cancer battle, the third member of that family... In, uh, in a year to lose their, their life. And the front of the Daily Star today uh, is a football star condemned last night for making a Heil Hitler Nazi salute on a boozy night out. There's always one. That's it. I'm back with you tomorrow morning. Hope you have... Oh, the sun's come out today. That's a bit of a change, isn't it? Why couldn't it have been like this yesterday? Typical, you get the bank holiday and you don't get the sunshine. Everybody comes back to work on the Tuesday... And out comes the sunshine, but you never know, it'll turn later. But if you bought plants in the nurseries and the garden centres, just look after them, because this week, the weathermen are saying, and I'm sure Chris Lowry will back it up, there's going to be some frost in the morning, and that'll kill off all your little succulents and stuff like that. Don't forget, you can put your questions to Nick Clegg. He's with Nick Ferrari after the news at 8 o'clock this morning. I'll get in nice and quick, sending your emails and your text messages, and they'll sort them out, because uh, you want the answers. 
He hopefully has the answers for you and he'll give you uh, them this morning between 8 and 9 with Nick Ferrari. So, if you go to the LBC website, lbc.co.uk, you can find out all about the Battle Bus, and you can find out more about all the LBC presenters and all the different programmes we have on offer, and you can find out about podcasting. Have a nice Tuesday. Here's this morning's business update with Sam Pittis. Thank you, Steve. The FTSE will open after closing down 64 points at 55.